This is Sunday Night Worship Service here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Women's Church, February the 16th, 2020. Tonight, our senior pastor, Reverend Jerry Barr, will be bringing the Sunday night message. Stay with us. We'll start our service here in just a few minutes here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Women's Church. Praise the Lord. Yes, sir. I made it ready for another night like this morning. The Lord was good. He is good all the time. He really is. We appreciate you being here with us tonight. And uh, can you hear me? I can hear me real well. Uh, well. We're so glad you're here tonight. We want to stand tonight for as we open up in prayer. And uh, want to remember prayer request that was turned in this morning. Those uh, <coughs> uh, Brother Jackson Hospital and Sister Carolyn's own rehab. Uh, also Brother Paul uh, Paul Margaret Matthew. Uh, I want to remember tonight also business meeting, so we'll be much aware about that. Uh, we've got some things coming up. It's going to be everything's going to be fine. It's okay. Uh, but we'll be just praying. Lord, have His way. We have, as you know, we're electing deacons on Tuesday night also. So let's be much in prayer about that, and uh, that God's going to set who He wants to set, do what He wants to do. Is that all right? Let's take it to the throne room. Amen. Glory, Father in heaven. Tonight we are just so thankful again for this opportunity master to be back in the house of God David said he was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord father I'm glad tonight so much I would love to see so much I love to do and so much I love to be able to do sometimes father we just consider ourselves just so unworthy. 
master all because of Jesus tonight. Jesus tonight, I'm worthy. He's made me worthy through the blood of the Lamb. So, Lord, tonight we lift up every prayer request, Lord. We just ask you to have your divine way. These are in hospitals and in homes. Father, one had ankle replacement this week. Another had knee replacement this week. Father, Sister Pauline at home, Lord, is, we just ask God for you to just touch her and strengthen her body, God. Father, just pray, Lord, for a spirit of encouragement just to just to saturate her, God, she could get her mind off the, neg the negative side of things, Lord, and realize she's a child of God. And God, you got your hand on her, God, you're going to protect her, you're going to be with her. And Father, I just pray tonight, God, that you would just continue to bless Brother Paul Mitchell and strengthen him and bless him, God. And God give him this speedy recovery. And Jack's in the hospital, Lord, and Sister Carolyn done rehab. And we got Bernice Bunn, Lord. If Father's in need of prayer tonight also, we just ask God if you'd intervene there. If you'll touch him, Lord. God, just have your way tonight. We thank you. For this time we have to come to worship you and to praise you and to glorify you. And Father, to know, Lord, that you love us tonight. It's just wonderful to know that we have a loving God. And Father, those that are tuning in by the way of internet tonight, God, I just speak, Lord, into their hearts tonight also, God, that you blessing them, God, you're going to bless them, Lord. You're going to meet their needs also. And God, I pray, Lord, wherever the people may be all around the world tonight, God, just tuning in. I pray, God, there's something that's going to be said. Father, something's going to be done that's going to bless them and touch them. And God, needs to be met tonight and burdens will be lifted, Lord. God, we just rejoice in you because that's what it's all about. And God, we thank you again. We just give you the praise, the glory, and honor. And everybody says, amen. Brother David. Amen. Let's get started singing the unclouded day.
God save you when you got saved. Amen. Remember that night, that day, that morning, that evening? I remember that at an altar prayer one, one night when the burden just lifted away. God just miraculously done something for a young boy that really didn't have a clue. But he's so glad tonight that God did that. I wish he was going to be coming this time. We're going to be receiving our evening offerings, tithes and offerings. Clean me up inside 
Appreciate that service as a plumber. And I talk about another plumber. Uh, and it's not just Jesus.
Now, that's right there is a mouthful. That right there is what Jesus is saying. First of all, he said, have faith in God. Then he says, whosoever shall say to this mountain, whosoever shall say to this situation, this problem, that whatever you're facing, this, this, this whatever, what he says, and be removed, thy, and, and, thou, and be thou cast into the sea, you can, what Jesus said, and shall not doubt, but shall believe those things which he said shall come to pass. I mean, no, you speak the word, and you watch the word come to pass. That's, that's the way it is. Now, God has used many people in the area of faith throughout human history. But he called one man in particular from the plumber's trade to plumb the depths of the ancient well of faith. We know this is true because of the supernatural fruit of faith in his ministry. Smith Wigglesworth was a blue collar worker, a servant of God who would read only the Bible and who dared to act upon the things that God said while others gave him only lip service. Now, it's been said of, of Smith Wigglesworth, once when God called him to preach, and, 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 and he struggled with it like most of us do, or did, but when God called him to preach, and once he, he accepted the call of God to preach, and once he got, really got to serving God like he, like he gave his whole heart to God, the only thing that he would read was the word of God. Now, I've read reports on him that every 15 minutes, every 15 minutes, he would read scripture. How many believe that would be being in the word? Every 15 minutes, he would be reading scripture. And that's the only book, that's the only one he read. He just read Bible, he just read scripture all the time. Uh, many have read the account of how Swigglesworth once walked into the parlor this is one of my favorite stories right here. He walked into a funeral parlor. I'm talking about a man of faith now. He walked into a funeral home where the dead body of a man had lain for three days. This guy's been in the funeral home for three days, laying there. He was on a mission from God. He abruptly, abruptly told the family to get out of the room. He just walks in the funeral home and tells the family, just a, just, just. Point blank, I want all of you to get out of the room now. Smith Wiggleworth will sometimes shorten to the point. I'm gonna get back to the story in just a minute. I read, a, I read an article, I read a story about him where a lady came up to be prayed for and there was some kind of tumor or something going on in, in her, in her, in her uh, abdomen area of, of her body and, 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 and <laughs> I, I get sued if I did what he did today. But she was standing there and when he went to pray for her, he balled his fist up and popped her right in the stomach. Wow, that's mean. Well, let me tell you what happened. Whatever it was growing in there, whatever it was, just, just all of a sudden, just gone, disappeared. Because he acted on what God told him to do. Amen? I mean, no obedience to God is what the key is. But he punched her. And I understand, if I'm not mistaken, it was another lady. He punched her, literally punched her in the stomach. Anybody got any stomach problems here tonight? We're going to try this thing out. See what but he walked into the funeral home. He told the family, he said, I want y'all to just get out of the room. Just leave. Just, just leave me alone. When they left the room, he grabbed the man by the lapels and pulled him up out of the casket. 
He propped the man up against the wall and he commanded it, that dead body, commanded that body, he said, live. Hold him there. He said, live. Turn him loose, backed off. The corpse hit the floor. Still dead. Because when he released the man's body, the stiff corpse properly, properly fell on the floor with a thud. Now, right there is where most of us, you and I, we would have probably quit. We wouldn't have went no further. But most of us don't have the kind of faith that Wigglesworth had. It takes a whole lot of faith to walk up and do a funeral home and just grab a man, pick him up out of the casket into it. That takes faith within itself. Wigglesworth grabbed the, lay, the lapels of the coat of the, of the corpse and propped the body against the wall once more. Again he shouted, I told you once, now I tell you again, live. And again, the stiffened corpse fell to the floor with the same thud it had made the first time. Now who knows what in creation that poor family and the funeral home workers must have been thinking with all that noise going on behind that closed door. If I'd have been working that funeral that night, visitation, whatever it was, I'd have to have cracked the door up and looked up in there and see what was going on. That would have been me. But a third time, everybody say a third time. Third time, Wigglesworth picked up the corpse, propped it against the wall. He pointed his finger at the body and he demanded, I've told you once, I've told you twice. I shan't tell you no more. After this third time, he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I say unto you, live. Suddenly, somebody say suddenly. The man coughed, shook his head, wiped off his face and walked out of the funeral home. Sounds crazy, don't it? I'm not talking about just faith. I'm talking about amazing faith. Amen. This is the kind of man that Smith Wigglesworth was that God used in this particular time. You say, Pastor, there's no way. Yes, there is a way. He used to sell shoes, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I read the story one time. He sold shoes and the guy come in, one of his feet gone. He came in to get a shoe. But when he left, when he left, the, shoe, when he left the shoe store, he left the shoe store walking with two shoes. So we got worth paid, prayed for him, and God just added a foot. Crazy, ain't it? Ain't no way. Yes, there is a way. I mean, no God can do anything that God wants to do. After this morning, just, just an awesome presence of God, and God's still here tonight. It's just in a different way. But after this morning, I've been thinking about this all day, and, 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 you know, and this is what I was going to bring tonight anyway, but I've really been, been, been sort of thinking about this in a roundabout way, that what God can and what God would do uh, if we would just allow God to do it. Amen. And I'm concerned about a lot of things that I'm concerned about because, you know, we pray for people, we pray for people, we pray for people, we keep on praying for people, but they, they keep having the same old, same old, same old thing. But I want us to get to the place where God used this man, and I'm going to get to it after a while, getting ahead of myself. And we know God's no respect to a person. If we can have that kind of faith, God will do the same thing with you and I today. He'll use us the same way in his latter days that he used in, in the earlier days. Amen. You see, this supernatural rising of the dead took place in Smith Wigglesworth's memory not once, not twice, but four. 
he saw the dead being raised to life. Fourteen times. Some say it was more than that. Wigglesworth had the God kind of faith to command the dead to come back to life. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever seen someone being raised from the dead? Anybody? If your answer is no, may I ask another question? Have you ever prayed for it? Something to think about that. I can tell you this, and I probably done told you a story one before, but two doors down, the guy's this, this phone number on my phone, I think I've told you, two doors down, but when they call, that's what it says, two doors down. But I found out their last name is Price, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, she came running over one day, said, I need some help. My, my husband is lying on the floor in the living room and I just need you to come over and help. And when we got there, I literally, literally, the man, I believe, with all my heart was gone. We got there a couple minutes before the EMTs got there, before the ambulance got there, and we, we, were, we were praying for him. And uh, myself, my wife, and, and my next-door neighbor, then Bobby, we were praying for him. And, 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 and the EMTs came in. They got down where he was at, and they started, started looking at him. And then they, they looked up at me and just shook his head. So, you know, and, but we were praying. And, but then all of a sudden, something happened. And I saw him not too long ago. He was out mowing his grass. Uh, just a few weeks ago, it was out mowing his grass. And this has been several years ago. So somebody say, have you ever seen, I honestly believe that I saw God that day reach down, touch a man that was gone, bring, put life back into him, and now he's up doing the same, doing what he normally does. And he's 83, 4, 5 year old, somewhere in that neighborhood still. And, and I see people like that, I say, God, I want to be in that kind of shape. I want to be in that, that kind of shape right there when I get their age. I really do. I don't want to be laid up somewhere all twisted all up, laying up in a bed and the rest home somewhere. And I can't, can't good do nothing. Can't, you know, except people come by and feed you and all this stuff. In other words, I'm a burden. So I don't want to be a burden to nobody. I'd rather the Lord just go and take me on now instead of me being a burden to somebody. But if I can be as good as some of you folks are in the age you are today and, and, and as mine's as sharp as yours is, then hey, I'm looking forward to getting old. Amen? It's the only way to live is to get old. I mean, know that. Some people worry to death about getting old. Huh? But the only way to live tonight is to get old. Somebody say Amen. So yeah, I, I, I believe that we're going to begin to see more of the miraculous things of God taking place in these latter days that we're living in right now because the Bible declares that the latter shall be greater than the former. And I mean, no, God did some great things in the former days, amen, back in the past. And, and I'm still praying for the, for, the, for, the, for the book of Acts to really become alive again, to be demonstrated again, uh, even in our day and in our life tonight. Can I tell you tonight, faith can be nullified uh, to make something illegally invalid uh, or infective uh, by religious tradition. Faith is a precious gift from God. I may believe that. But it is, the, it is a gift that can be lost uh, or nullified. I didn't say it, it, Jesus said that. He rebuked the Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders in his day, saying uh, in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 6, uh, thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect uh, by your traditions. Amen. Traditions may steal your faith in three ways. And I'm going to cover that tonight and I'm going to be finished up. Tradition may steal your faith in three days. Tradition takes doubt to school and produces unbelief. That's what tradition does. The Spirit of God still moves freely even when there is doubt because doubt is nothing more than questioning. Yet even Jesus found it harder to work miracles in the presence of unbelief because in Matthew 13, 58, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Unbelief won't get you anything.
anything tonight. But faith in God can cause mountains to be moved out of the way tonight. Amen? Tradition will school you in the art of producing unbelief. And then number two, tradition makes the word of God of no effect by training you to ignore the power of Satan. To trivialize or play down the spirit of the Antichrist and to be ignorant of your own power. Satan don't want you to know you have anything with God. When we portray the uh, the, uh, archangel of hell, the chief of demons, uh, as wearing a laughable red suit uh, with horns and a forked tail, uh, he doesn't, he don't mind that at all. If we poke fun at him, laugh at him, uh, because he's a dude in a red suit, uh, got a forked tail, uh, and got a forked mouth, whatever, he don't mind that at all, because it's just a joke. But I'm going to tell you something tonight, for a fact, Satan is no joke tonight. Amen? No joke tonight. But he don't mind us doing that. He knows that to refuse to acknowledge the existence of a literal, utterly evil devil is the first step to refusing to acknowledge the existence of a literal God. You see, the word of God specifically forbids men to trivialize or make light of demonic power. Then number three, tradition steals your faith and hope. Nothing wrong with tradition as long as you don't get in the way of what God's wanting to do. Amen. It refused to allow you to stand up in the winter of your life and bear fruit as if it were springtime. In other words, I'm old now. I can't do anything. You know, because tradition, we, we live by tradition. We, we, it's always this way. This is what our church does. This is what we've done. This is what we always do. So when people get old, they just sit over on the sidelines and they don't do anything anymore because, you know, we're not able to do anything. We're old. We, 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 we're just at that time of life that a whole lot can't be happening with me right now. Let me tell you something. There's as much can be happening to you right now at 85 years old as it did when you're 25 if you just let God be the same God at 85 as you did when you were 25. It ain't got a thing to worry do with me. How old I am or how I feel, it's about Almighty God. He's still God tonight. Amen. And he can still do what he's always done. Huh? Like one little boy went to his pastor. He said, hey, you talking all this stuff? He said, but look what Moses did. The pastor looked at the little boy and said, yeah, but I ain't Moses. Little boy looked down and said, yeah, you're right. You might not be Moses, but I can tell you this, God is still God. Amen. So God is still God at 66, as much so as it was at 24 when he called me to preach. Nothing's changed with him. I'm the one that's changed. You're the one that's changed. God is still God. You believe that? So can God still do what he did? What did he say? What did Jesus say? The Bible said, declares that Jesus tried the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, God said, I don't change. I am the Lord thy God, I change not. He don't change, you and I change. We pull away, not him. Amen? So in the spring time, in the winter time of our life, in other words, the latter years of our life, we're convinced that there's a whole lot that we can't do. You see, tradition will train you in the art of being a weak and effectual Christian. If you're a child of God tonight, you're not weak. You're still strong. Is that all right? 
Tradition refuses to allow you to call those things which be not as though they were. It refuses to allow you to offer the sacrifice of praise, giving thanks to God, even when you are experiencing pain and sorrow tonight. Huh? So get radical, promised land faith. That's what God wants you and I to have. He wants Pine Level to have that radical, promised land faith. How many know that God promised the children of Israel the promised land? How many know they had to have faith to get that? God didn't just hand it to them. He said it's there, but you're going to have to go get it. You're going to have to fight for it. In other words, whatever it takes for you to get that, that's what you got to do. Faith is the way you pray. It energizes and empowers the way you do battle in the heavenly realm. Talk about faith. told in the Walls come down. And then what Jesus said, said, in this mountain shall be removed. Suddenly, our words take on creative capabilities. We find that when we declare a thing in the spirit, God establishes it. Faith. Everybody say faith. Faith calls you to pray different. Tuesday morning is at 10 o'clock. We started prayer meeting here. Tuesday morning, prayer meeting. Faith is going to change the way you pray on Tuesday mornings. Believing God is going to change the way we pray on Tuesday mornings. You see, if faith is rising in your heart as you hear these words, begin to declare your miracle. Amen? Declare your miracle right now. Hey, I need a healing. Then declare it. Believe it. Trust it. And what Jesus said? He said, I say to you, you say to this mountain, be that removed be thy cast through the sea and shall be gone. Say it to it. Speak to that thing as though it's not. In other words, I'm healed even though I'm hurting all over right now. I'm still healed in Jesus' name. Well, Pastor, but you don't know how I feel. That's the problem. You're going by feelings and not by faith. Huh? You don't go by what you see. You don't go by sight. You go by faith in God. Is that all right? Open your, open your mouth. Speak creative words with the anointing of God things happen. Get radical. Promised land faith. Do you know that God has given you the power to establish your world within the boundaries of his word? How many believe his word is truth? How many believe his word? Hmm? We read the word all the time. Do we believe what we're reading? Now let me say that one more time. Do you know that God has given you the power to establish your world within the boundaries of his word. God has given me the power. He's given me what I need to build my world around what thus saith the word of God. I'm not a weakling no more because I'm walking in the spirit and the power of God under his anointing, amen. Under his, he's given me authority to use his name so I'm walking in the authority of Jesus Christ. That means I'm my world according to his word. I mean, there's power in the word of God. You create your world by declaring the word of God into your future by faith. By faith. By faith. 
I'm declaring the word of God on this church. Amen. I don't have to build a church. That's not what God's got us here for. We don't have to build a church. That's not why we're here. Jesus said, I'll build my church. Amen. He's going to build his church. He's going to put them in the church so as it pleases him. So we're not here to build the church. We're here to build the kingdom. In other words, we reach into the harvest. We bring the lost into the kingdom of God. And God puts them where he so desires to put them at. Larry's over across the street, ain't he? Larry knows how to clean fish. I've never seen him clean one, but I guarantee you he knows how to clean fish. Don't let him know I'm talking about it. Say again. Oh my God, he said, my God, raise him waving at me. I thought I had a visitor sitting back on because he's usually sitting over here. You see how people mess you up? How you spell fish? F I S H. To Larry Barbie, that's a four-letter word. That's almost like cussing. Don't mention fish around. That's why I was gonna say, don't tell him what I'm talking about. No. But he knows how to clean a fish. He knows how to fillet that bad boy. He knows how to fix that thing that when you lay it in the frying pan and when you when you get through it, it's all what it's supposed to be. If I clean him, he's messed up. If I fillet him, I got fish nuggets instead of fish. It don't never work right. But he knows how to clean fish. So if he catches fish, he cleans fish. But what did he tell Peter do? He said, cast the net out. He cast the net out. Was it, Brother Mike, how many, 150, how many? On the fish, on the net, had 153. 153 fish, 156. 153 fish. I say 153. I think it's what the word of God said. Why 153? Why did he mention 153? He got a clue. I don't know why he mentioned 153. But I guarantee if we dig into it deep enough, we'll find out exactly what that 153 means. But 153 fish. And probably different kinds of fish. I don't know if it's 153 different nationalities. I don't know if it's 153 different whatever, whatever, whatever. But 153 fish. He told Peter to cast his net out. You see, in the church, you cast your net out. And when she brings the fish in, you know what the church wants to do? The church wants to clean them up. Church wants to make them look like they do, smell like they do, and act like they do, and talk like they do. Can I tell you something? Can I give you a little secret down? All he wants us to do is catch the fish. He said, I'll make you fisher of men. All he wants us to do is go out and catch the men. He'll clean them up. He'll fillet them where they need to be flayed. He'll, he'll trim off them what needs to be trimmed off. He'll, he'll make sure everything's straightened out. He'll do the cleaning up. All we have to do is get them and bring them in. And don't pass judgment on them. But let God do a work on them. And God can bless them. And they be sitting on pews like you are and me are tonight. They're absolutely worshiping and praising God in the house of God. Trying to think of his name. I can't think of his name. I mentioned it yesterday to, to some of us in my office were talking. Why? I know his name like I know mine. I listen to him on the radio every once while. But he was saying this week, he was talking about loving one another. He's talking about church loving uh, each other and all this kind of stuff. We love it. And it's just love, love, love. That's what he's talking about. And he made mention. And when he made this statement, it just, I said, wow. That's so, so profound, profound right there. That's so profound. He made the statement. He said, Christians, in other words, the Lord's army, the Lord's army. 
I don't remember exactly what I said, but I do, I do, I do know this is basically what he, what he said. He said the Lord's army, the Lord's army is the only army that will shoot their wounded. You hear what I'm saying? The Lord's army, the church is the only people that will shoot their wounded. Instead of trying to get them up, get, them, get the wounded fixed up, get them straightened out where they need to be, we'll shoot them, kick them down push their face further down in the mud. No, uh-uh. That will never work with God. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, even love your enemies tonight. I'm going to tell you something. If you can't love one another who you worship with, there ain't no way in the world you're going to love your enemies. Is that all right? And there ain't no way in the world you can love God whom you ain't seen if you can't love your brother who you have seen. Ain't that the word of God? Okay, let me get back over to Smith. See, Smith walked by faith in God. He trusted, he trusted God. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to trust God. So get radical, promised land faith. As I said, you create your world by declaring the word of God into your future. Faith requires obedience. You know, the word obedience has come up quite a bit in the last little bit. Faith requires obedience. Kenneth E. Hagin tells the story of the time God spoke to Wigglesworth to go raise Lazarus. Now, this particular Lazarus was a Welch tin miner who used to work in the mines during the day and preach the gospel at night. It wasn't the Lazarus of the Bible. It was another Lazarus that God spoke to Wigglesworth and said, go raise Lazarus. So however he contacted, this Lazarus had contacted tuberculosis. This man spent six years in an invalid, he was an invalid man. In other words, he was weak, he was sick uh, and, and, and for six years. Uh, and by the time Smith Wigglesworth received the orders from God uh, to seek him out, he'd already been sick for six years. Uh, he was invalid, not able to do anything. Uh, he was that weak, uh, he was that puny. Wigglesworth wrote down on a postcard what the Lord said and mailed it to the miner's home uh, before his visit. When he arrived, he was greeted at the door by a man holding a card. Did you send this card, the man asked. Do you think we believe in this? He said, here, take it, and he threw the card down at Wigglesworth's feet. You sent this card. Do you think that we believe this? Then the man called his servant and said, take this man and show him Lazarus. He said to Wigglesworth, the moment you see him, you will be ready to go home. In other words, the servant said, take this man, Wigglesworth, take him around, take him down, and take him to see Lazarus. He said, Wigglesworth, when you see this man, you're gonna just look at him, shake your head, turn around, walk away, and you'll be ready to go home. That's the way a lot of people do. Let me tell you something. When Wigglesworth was introduced to Lazarus, all he saw was a mass of skin and bones. The man had been spoon-fed his meals for six years, but even as bad as the illness was, the state of his faith was worse than the state of his physical body. Most of us would have taken the, 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 the cynic's advice and, gave, and given our condolences and headed for home. 
Father, I pray you touch Lazarus. I pray you bless him, Lord. In Jesus' name, heal his body. We didn't turn around and walk off. That was it. We've done our part. Wigglesworth didn't have that option because he had heard from God. Can I tell you something? There's a difference. Pray for somebody and just pray for somebody when you hear from God to pray for somebody. Huh? It's a difference. Faith doesn't give up. Faith doesn't give in. Faith prevails. He greeted Lazarus, left the house, but he would soon return. Wigglesworth sought out seven other people to stand with him in prayer that night. After praying and fasting all night, they showed up at Lazarus' house the following morning, fasted and prayed all night. I mean, when's the last time you fasted? Has anybody ever fasted three days? I'll see a few hands. Yeah. Anybody ever fasted five days? Seven days? Ten days? I'm talking about fasting. All, you have, all you're doing is just drinking a little water. I ain't talking about fasting your coffee. I ain't talking about fasting that Mountain Dew that you're so hooked up on. Well, I'm going to fast this for three days and I'm going to be okay. It's all right to fast that, though. I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm talking about fast. I'm talking about a literal fast for the glory of God. People say, well, I can't do it. I, I can't. I, 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 yes, you can. Me and my wife just came off a three-day fast last week. You ain't supposed to tell nobody. Well, I didn't tell you why I was doing it. I told you after I done it. We just came off a three-day fast last week. Just drunk some water here and there. My wife said, what are you praying for? And I give her a list this long. What are you fasting for? I give her a list this long. She says, that's good. Well, the list I give her, I probably need to fast another 21 days. But I just compacted it all together in these three days. And Brother Mike, believe it or not, the devil wants the devil will just he will just be just all kinds of crazy mess. He'll just throw it throw it to you, and you, you listen to him. But I honestly believe that this morning's service had to have something to do with the three day fast that me and my wife was on last week. I really believe that. But the devil's playing with me. He's he, you know the devil, he play, he plays me a lot too. The devil wants you to feel like you're worthy of nothing. You ain't worth a hill of means. And sometimes I feel like that. So I'm just just being honest with you. Sometimes I feel like it's just you know it's 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 it's, it's all the emotions it's all the it's all the the, uh, the uh, what's going on in your life and things different things in your life when you were a kid and some things and wait a minute pastor be careful now I am I'm just I'm just being honest with you how the enemy will bring all that up and I was thinking about that this afternoon and then our choir director our music director brother David you're a choir director your music director what are you here yeah it's yeah. a good answer. Pastor, I'm whatever you want me to be. <laughs> our, our, our music director gets up tonight and he sings, I was worth dying for. You see, I got a minister to you. When the devil's just, you know, when the devil just, I was worth dying for. How many know you're worth dying for tonight? That within itself right there ought to make it all worthwhile. You know what I'm saying? You know. You go through life, you do all this kind of stuff, you feel like you ain't accomplished nothing, you feel like a whole lot ain't happening, and, you know, blah, 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 this, and, I, and I walk down that road too, but, but brother, brother Mike, I really had to stay with God that I don't let that overcome me. 
You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, I walk down the same road you walk sometimes. But faith tonight is what changes it all. Anyway, we get back to last week. He fasted and prayed all night long. Seven guys. He went and got seven people to help him, to be with him, fast and pray. So Wigglesworth saw that same one. After praying and fasting all night, they showed up at Lazarus' house the following morning. They were greeted by the same cynical family member who greeted Wigglesworth the day before. Same son, same daughter, or same nephew, or brother, whatever he was. He was a family member. He comes to the door, and here stands the same man again, but he's got seven more people with him. But Wigglesworth had been fasting and God had told him what to do. There's a difference when God tells you what to do. And that's what your pastor is still seeking God for. God, tell me what to do. I don't know what to do sometimes, God. I don't know where, where to do it, how to do it. Tell me, God, what I'm supposed to do. See, you're looking at me a lot of times like, what are we going to do? what's going to happen next. And there's a lot of times I look at just dumbfounded because I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I do know this. God ain't going to let us lay dormant too long because somebody's faith is going to reach out, touch heaven, and God's going to come on the scene and he's going to show us what we need to do. I was sitting the other night, the other day, yesterday, whenever it was, thinking. I'm looking at TV and, I, and I'm seeing this this gigantic building where they had 4,000 people in this building. I'm looking at this thing and I'm saying, God, you told me 7,000. The devil says you are crazy. Ain't no way in the world it can happen. I said, well, it might not, but I'm still going to try it. I'm still going to reach for it. I'm still going to do what I need to do. To, so, so when all said and done, I tell God I at least tried to do what I had to do. God don't take that. But I'm looking at this building and I said, God, do you realize where I'm at? God said, I don't care where you're at. I said, God, I'm in Pine Level. I'm not in New York City where they got the skyscrapers and all this kind of stuff. I'm not in Charlotte, North Carolina where they got Calvary Baptist Church over there, I think it is, that's, that's, that's got a 6,000 seat auditorium where you showed me and you told me 1,000 more. We don't have that. We were in Pine Level. I said, I don't care where you are. I'm still God. Somebody says, how are you going to do it? I ain't got a clue. I ain't going to do it. God's going to do it. 7,000. Somebody say 7,000. I don't know how many is watching and listening to us tonight by TV or by internet. They could be 6,000, 941 people. And what we have in here tonight will make 7,000 people. Could be. I don't know. I don't know how many is watching. I don't know how many. Joy can tell us sometimes how many hits it and where they're at and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't know exactly how God's going to do all this stuff, but I do know what he put in my spirit and what he put in my heart. And the devil wants me to quit so bad he can't hardly stand it. He wants me to stop. He wants me to throw in the towel. He wants me to quit. Somebody just looked at me and said, well, are you going to quit? No. There are times I just want to say, here, y'all take this. I'm going to go home, sit down, and relax. God didn't call me to relax. He called me to do a work for the glory of God. 
and I wrestle with that often. So you need to be much in prayer for me. I'm, I'm wrestling with that often. How many know God's still God tonight? Let me get back to Lazarus. But let me tell you something. I see this building. I say, God, that's huge. That's huge. That's, that's only 4,000. I've been to Columbus, Ohio, up at Rod Parsons Church at the camp meeting and the raise the standard and several times up there. And I sat down in, the, in this seat. I tell you what I did the first time I went. I said, I, 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 there ain't no problem getting the front row seat. I mean, there's no problem getting the front row seat. I'm outside. The doors only open to 9 o'clock. Service don't start till 10 o'clock. But I'm outside, and there's four entrances into this church. I'm standing outside, and there's about 75 people in front of me at 8.30. At 8.30. I'm standing about 75 people back trying to get in the door for service to start. At 10, they open the door at 9 o'clock. This is around the church. Every entrance has got buku people from at 8 o'clock, 8.30, standing there waiting to get into church. So I'm standing 75, about 75 people ahead of us, singing and worshiping God, standing outside, singing and worshiping God and praising God out there, standing in line, just getting into the atmosphere of worship while you're waiting to get into the church. I'm standing there, the old country boy that I am from North Carolina. That's all right. There might be 75 people ahead of me. I ain't gonna have no problem getting to the front seat. Nobody likes the front row. That church at that time, if I'm not mistaken, held 5,004 people. 5,004 people. Nine o'clock, the door swings open. The man that's at the door where we are he opens that door and you know what you hear? Well, praise God, what a beautiful day the Lord has made. God is great, everything's good and we wanna just worship him today. Opening the door, I said, my God, look at this. I still will get me a front row seat. When that door flung open, they almost knocked that boy down. They were running as hard as they could run to get in church from four different directions. The closest I could get to the front seat and I'm running as hard as I can because I like a front seat. I'm running as hard as I can run. The closest I could get was the fifth or sixth row back. They all jumped for the front seat. Everybody was headed to the front seat. I said, God, Pine Level's going to be like that one of these days. You folks keep sitting at the back. People are going to get where it's happening. Not to say it's not happening back there, but I can tell you this, it happens here first, then it moves back yonder. That all right? But that's about that. And I'm standing on the pew, standing up. We singing. And I'm standing there, Brother, Brother Mike, and these are long pews. And I believe the ones I was standing on were twice as long. But I'm standing and I count two pews in front of me. How many people's on the two pews? Two pews. Two pews. Everybody say two pews. There was more people on the two pews in the, in the church I was pastoring. I said, Lord, can you imagine that? There's more people on these two pews than when I pastor. And back then we were running 22, 28, 30, somewhere in that neighborhood. There was 5,004 seats and had camp meeting that week in over 10,000 people attending camp meeting in overflows everywhere with TVs and different things. Different ministers, Old Roberts, T.D. Jakes, R.W. Schambach, saw a lot of them were there. <clears throat> I missed Old Roberts by one night because I wasn't able to get there. I wish I could have seen him. John Hagee was there. All bunch of, you know, bunch of whatever. But the main thing was God was there. But I look at that and I visualize what God has put in my spirit. 7,000. I said, wow, that's amazing. 
Can you, can you visualize that in, in Pine Level? Can't get nobody to agree with you. Y'all just look at me like I'm crazy. Brother Casey, I'm going to just look back at you like you're crazy. So, can you imagine a building like that in Pine Level? And people coming from everywhere to be where God is. Not saying God ain't everywhere, but I'm just saying what, what, what this world needs now more than anything else. We don't need the big fancy building. We don't need all this. That's what I'm saying. What we need more than anything else is God. Is that all right? So if God builds a great big building like he wants to build, how many believe people will say that's God? Is that all right? How many got faith? Some of you. How many got faith to get a bus? I thought Brother Mac took the bus with him this morning because he took half the church with him. I thought he took the bus wherever he was going because I looked out and went there and then I found it later it's parked out in the parking lot. I said, well, he didn't take the bus. Which would have been fine if that's what he wanted to do. See, when Brother Mac and his family leaves, <laughs> when they go vacation, they take us somewhere, he, he takes a good little handful with him. But you know what the great thing is about that handful he's got? They're all in church. Everybody can't say that tonight, amen. So that's a blessing with I'm just joking myself, but nevertheless, I'm just trying to take faith. God honors faith tonight, amen. Smith Wigglesworth went to Lazarus. They took it. So take it back to where Lazarus at. Let him go. <clears throat> seven people, seven men, eight counting Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Wigglesworth. All right? So, he fasted and all that kind of good stuff. And God told him what to do. Don't pray. Listen to this. And, I, and before I got into this, God has moved on me sometimes. Don't say nothing. This is all I want you to say. Now listen, don't pray. Don't anoint him with oil. Don't touch him. That's what God told Wigglesworth. Don't touch him. All eight of you gather around the bed and repeat the name of Jesus. That's all I want you to do is Jesus. Jesus. Now, the family that don't believe is probably watching this. These eight men crazy. Jesus. Jesus. How many know it's obedience? Huh? As they spoke, the power of God fell. Then it lifted like a cloud. They continued to hold hands and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. As the power kept coming down and lifting. God's glory coming down and God's glory lifting. God's glory coming down and God's glory lifting. Jesus. They continue to hold hands. Jesus. The sixth time it came down, the sixth time it came down, Lazarus said, let me tell you something. Here's the difference. The sixth time it came down, <clears throat> Lazarus said, I've, I've been bitter in my heart and I know I have grieved the spirit of God. I have been bitter in my heart and I know I have grieved the spirit of God. He repented and cried out, oh God, let this be to thy glory. And he said that the power of God went through him and he was healed. Do you know what keeps a lot of people from receiving their blessing from God? A three-letter word called sin. 
will keep you from receiving uh, what you need from Almighty God. This was a man of God. This guy preached. Uh, he, he worked in ten mines uh, at, at the daytime. Uh, then he preached at night. Uh, but here he's lying on a deathbed uh, with tuberculosis. Uh, and he says, I have to repent. God forgive me. Uh, I've been bitter in my spirit. If you're bitter in your spirit tonight, you don't get anything. You cross it out. You got to get the bitterness out of the way. He said, I've been bitter in my heart and I've grieved. Some of us might be grieving the spirit of God. He said, I've grieved the spirit of God. He repented and cried out, God, let this be to thy glory. As he said that, the power of God went through him. He was here. Lazarus got up and dressed himself Without any assistance, here we got a man laying there number of skin and bones. They've been able to do nothing for six years. Everybody's had to wait on it, hand and foot, feeding him, spoon feeding him. But now, all of a sudden, instantaneously, immediately, somebody say immediately, immediately, Lazarus got up, dressed himself without any assistance. Then he and Wigglesworth walked downstairs while singing the praises unto God. I don't know about you, that's shout territory right there. Can you imagine what that family thought when they saw Lazarus and, and Swigglesworth uh, coming down the stairs, uh, a man that can't even get out of bed, but now all of a sudden he's coming down the stairs uh, with a man that, that sent him a letter, sent him a note, said this is what's going to happen, uh, and the guy thrown it at his feet, uh, and he said, just go see for yourself. He didn't go see for himself. He went to see for God because God had sent him on a mission, uh, and he knew what God was going to do because God told him exactly what to do. Amen. Faith requires obedience to activate God's provision. We've seen how God worked through the faith and the obedience of the man like Wigglesworth. And it literally did happen. I'm fixing to finish up, but I want to tell you this little story. Wigglesworth came into a town and he did a revival. And this lady had been fasting and praying for her husband for a long, long time. For many years, she'd been praying and fasting for her husband to get saved. Swigglesworth came and he did a revival. He stayed at that home, in their home. That's where he stayed. And the story is that that particular morning, the last night was the last night, so he got up that morning, got dressed and everything, got everything ready, and he walked down the house and he was walking down the, down the sidewalk. Lady comes running out of the house. She says, whoa, whoa, you can't leave yet. He said, what do you mean I can't leave yet? She said, because he's not saved. My husband's not saved. You can't leave yet. He turned around, looked at her, he told her one, he made one statement to her. He said, do not change the sheets. You know how when somebody comes to your house, they leave, you take the sheets up, you wash them, you put clean sheets back on the bed. He said, do not change the sheets. She didn't change the sheets. They go to bed that night. Everything's normal. Till about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. This dude wakes up. He's all to all two pieces. He's crying, carrying on, acting foolish, so about, about to go crazy. The convicting power of God hit him so strong. You know what happened? He fell on his knees beside that bed. He gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. He got saved. Why in the world? What did that have to do? By her not changing the sheets. Ain't no anywhere I'm going to sleep on the sheets with nobody like You see, obedience is what the key is. She'd have washed them sheets, nothing would never happen. 
she had to be obedient to the man of God. He said, don't wash your sheets. She goes in, they go to bed. He gets, wakes up in the middle of the night going crazy, just, just all the pieces crying, and, 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 and he falls on his, on his face before God, and he, and he asks God to forgive him, and he got saved right there tonight. You know what happened? He said, don't change the seats. You know why? Because the anointing was still in the bed. Uh, let me tell you something, folks. Anointing is transferable. Come on. What do you think Jesus did to his disciples? He anointed, how did, he anointed them. He spoke into them. He, he put it into them. The anointing. And they received it. Wigglesworth said, don't change your sheets. Husband got saved. Wife fasting and praying for years. He got saved. What happened in the cave? They're taking the dead man. They look up the enemy's coming. They take the dead man and throw him in the cave. Is that where the bones of Elijah was? Is that what it was? Somewhere in the neighborhood? Elijah's bones were there? They throw the dead man in the cave. Guess what happened? He hit the bones of Elijah. Dead man. Nothing but bones. Those guys that were toting him and trying to carry him somewhere to bury him, all of a sudden, he's able to carry them. Why? Because the anointing of God was still there. And when he hit the bones of Elijah, he came to life. The 16th miracle. Uh-huh. See? The anointing. That's what your pastor searching for for this church, for the anointing of God to just saturate this house. You. You. Well, I'm just, I don't care what you say, you just are. You are what God wants you to be if you let God do with you what God wants to do with you, but you are what you are in yourself if you stand in God's way. Understand what I'm saying? Faith. Lazarus got up, come downstairs. I can see him now telling that family member that told, <laughs> told you think we believe in this? You think we believe this? Telling that family member, say, look, y'all food fed me long enough. Will you go in there and fix me some bacon and eggs? I'm ready to eat. I want some toast, some good old ham. But, uh, well, they might not have had it over, I don't know. But anyway, the Bible says that God is no respecter of person. I may believe that. Brother Thomas Wood, God is no respecter of person. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of person. In other words, he doesn't play favorites. I mean, no, God don't play favorites. Pastors a lot of time accuse of favorites. You know what I'm talking about? If you've ever accused me and Judy of a favorite, you're way off base. We don't have no favorites. We try to love everybody equal. Amen. Is that okay? Somebody be looking at me like, like I'm strange. I'm telling you the truth. We've been accused of having favorites, even at pine level. We don't have favorites. But I'll tell you this. Somebody says, let's go eat. I ain't turning them down. If I'm hungry, I ain't turning them down. If the same one asks me next week, let's go eat. I ain't turning them down. I'm going to eat with them. Sometimes they say, let's go eat. We say, no, we're going to just head on home. We're just tired. We've been here all day. We've been visiting. So we're tired. We're not going to go eat. And then we accuse of eating somewhere else. And we're at home, mind our own business. Let me tell you something, folks. The devil gets into junk like that, and he'll destroy you. He ain't going to destroy me. He'll destroy you. So you got to get out of that mentality. Uh -huh. God wants us together. Is that all right? Say what I say, together. So, is anybody going to eat tonight when we leave here? Anybody? Anybody going? Some, some people going? Going to eat? And when they went out shaking their hands, we're going to so-so, you want to go? 
Maybe, maybe not. Hadn't seen little man. She calls him little man. Hadn't seen little man all week, so might just run home and just stop by and see little man, which is the big man, which is the boss of even people in South Carolina now. He's the boss of everybody. So that's the way it is. So you know, so you have to get. So that's the way the enemy works. He just stirs junk like that up, and he gets it all mixed up in the church, and people just feast on that kind of junk. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that God is no respecter of person. What he did for Smith Wigglesworth, he'll do for you and I tonight. How many got sick loved ones you want to see healed tonight? Eh? Well, in the name of Jesus Christ, you go and the mountain shall be removed, laid hands on, pray for them, have the faith, amen, they'll be healed. That's what the Bible says. In other words, he doesn't play favorites. He will do for you what he did for Wigglesworth. And all it takes is a seed of faith and the courage to plant it in the field of impossibility. You take a seed of faith, you plant it in the field of impossibility, and you watch God develop that seed and watch it come to pass. How many times have I told you God ain't going to do nothing that you can do yourself? If I can do it, God says, son, I don't need to do it. You can do that. So you take care of it. You do that. But it's the impossibles that God will do. God knows when I've reached and done everything that I can do. I've gone as high as I go. I said, God, I've done everything I know to do. Will you please come down and help me in this situation right now? And God says, uh-huh, you've done exactly what you need to do. You've done all you can do. Anything that human hands is possible to do, you've done it. Now watch God. For the glorification of God, you watch God do a work in Jesus' name. Understand what I'm saying? So take the seed of faith. Have the courage to plant in the impossibility. Are you ready? If you're ready tonight, I want you to take a deep drink from the ancient well of faith and live. Amen? Everyone stand tonight if you will. Jesus said, have faith in God. Why not come tonight and take that deep, cool drink from the ancient well of faith and receive that need, that healing, that miracle from God? What are you waiting for? Come on, if you want to come, come on. Come on, take the seed of faith, put it in the, plant it in the, in the field of impossibility and watch God do a work. Are you ready? Peter opened his mouth and said, I, for truth, I perceive that God is no respect of a person. I've seen people healed over the years in ministry. I've seen people blessed over the years in ministry. You get reports that you prayed for somebody and God's touched and healed. Sister Edith told us about an individual that we prayed for at the Clayton Rehab. Just They said, we want to pray. They had cancer. And we prayed and we get a report that doctors checked out, no cancer. Hmm. I didn't do nothing.
God's Me and her family come together in a group. But the Bible says, they shall come to pass. Behold, that easy. Six months. I see if I got it, they know it's in there.
I've got this is what they used church so that I can wave it before the Lord if it comes to that. 
you know, I've done that before, and um, and and uh, if somebody wants to take this handkerchief and it be prayed over, and you do something with it, I don't know whatever you want to do with it, but if if you think that will, if if the Lord's speaking to you and you feel like that would like that would be something that would help you have enough faith, uh, then then. There's nothing lost in trying it. I mean, uh, there's there's no need to feel like a failure if you pray for somebody and they don't get healed. Right. But the failure comes when you don't pray for somebody. I mean, God is the healer. All he asks us to do is pray. And it's like that one that came to Eli. It was, uh, who was the one that got... Dipped seven times. Now I knew something a while ago, Naaman. but I'm Naaman. Naaman. He wanted Elijah to come out of his house and wave his hand over him and do some kind of magical thing, and thought he could be healed. And and Elijah didn't even go. It was either Elijah or Elisha. Send his servant. And uh, he told him he he didn't even see him. He says he told his servant says you go do this, and he he never saw him. But when he went and did that, after he dipped seven times, he came up with with all with all that leprosy gone, gone. off of him. Amen. So because of obedience. Amen. Grabs and complained all the way. All the clean rivers around. All the clean waters around. I thought the man would come out and lay hands on him and none of this. No, he's sending me to, to, to dirty Jordan, whatever the river. And this is where I got to go to get what I need. But because he's obedient, he dipped himself seven times in, in, in the muddy water. I got four singers to this handkerchief, so I need three other people. Or if you'll hold one corner, I need two other people. And we'll pray over this. And, and I don't know who it is. I don't, I don't want the handkerchief. Uh, it's clean. It, I can tell you it's clean. Yeah. <laughs> might be a teardrop in it. You know, my, I might have wiped a tear with it, but that's all I got on it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Father in heaven, we just hold this in our hand and we pray a prayer of faith upon it. We ask in the name of Jesus yes, Lord. of Nazareth. Yes, Lord. You've heard it said, Lord, that some people pray and ask in the strong name. Thanks for name tuning in to this Sunday night worship service here at the Palo Pentecostal Church on this February the 16th, 2020. We do want to let you know about the uh, Ivan Parker and Josh, Josh Parker coming to the Pine Level Pentecost Furniture Church on February the 29th at 6 p.m. We will be having a meet and greet starting at 4 p.m. with hot dogs and chips and a drink for just $6. You don't have to eat if you don't want to, but come and help with the fundraiser that's going to support the bus ministry and paying off the bus. Also, chicken pastry. Um, fundraiser coming March the 6th 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. here at the Pine Level Pentecost Women's Church this is sponsored by the Senior Adults $8 per plate and looking a little bit more in the future towards April Friday the, April the 24th 11 to 7 we've got barbecue chicken plate sale $8 per plate eat in or take out and this will go towards the women's ministry and the bus ministry. 
Don't forget to check out the website at pinelevelphc.org for all the church videos and lots more, as well as on the app. Go to your Google Play Store or the App Store and search for Pine Level PHC. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pine Level PHC. Get notifications when we go live if you like our page, and you can see all the pictures and stuff we post from time to time as well. You can also check us out on YouTube. Select services may be available. Search Pine Level PH Church. Subscribe to our channel and get notifications when we go live. Don't forget about the podcast. There is a quick link to the podcast on the website and the app. God bless everyone. We'll see you back here Wednesday night for our next live worship service here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Church. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Church, I'm Joey Perry.